Matthew 28. We left last Friday, Good Friday, and we emphasized how even though Jesus had told them multiple times that he was going to rise on the third day, nobody knew what was going to happen. It is the darkest part of their lives. They have the apostles, the disciples, um, the women that are with them have dedicated the last three years of their lives to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, to emulate Jesus. They were confused. They've been heartbroken. They've been lifted up. They've seen miracles. We talked about how Jesus had healed everyone that he touched. Everywhere that he went, limbs were restored. People were brought back from the dead. People that were blind could now see. People that were lepers that no one could touch that were cast out were healed. Everywhere that he went, goodness and truth followed. And now he has given up his life. He's dead and he's buried. And these people that have been following them are completely distraught, are broken, are powerless. And if you think in your life, and if you think of your time on this world, in this world, what is the time that you were the most broken? the most heartache, the most lost, the greatest depression? What was your darkest, darkest day? The confusion, the anxiety, the fear, the convulsive tears, maybe thoughts of self-harm or even self-destruction, of guilt. I think it's still, even for those of us that are, uh, to lightly put it, the most weathered, the most seasoned, it pales in comparison to what these people are experiencing as their Lord and Savior, their master, is in the grave and is dead. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into chapter 28 of the book of Matthew. Father, we we pray that you would guide and direct us this morning, that we would leave here full of the message that you wanted to give. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in chapter 28, the very first verse, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the the other Mary came to see the tomb. And here they are walking. What do you you think this conversation is like? Are Are they talking? I know me personally, when I'm going through a very difficult, dark time, I just don't talk, period. And I just envision this very somber walk, just kind of a shuffle. What are they expecting to find? They're expecting to find a sealed tomb guarded by Romans. They don't even know what they're doing. They, they brought ointment. They brought perfumes to try and to dress his body, to try and just at least touch their master, bless him in some way. But they have no idea how they're even going to get in there. They're just going. They, have, they don't know what to do. I don't know about you, but in these really, really dark times, if there's something I'm going through that's very strenuous or there's something that's very dark, depressing, or very harmful, you know, there's just, you don't make good decisions. You don't make logical choices. You're just kind of on autopilot. Your sense is just kind of dull. And that's how I feel with these women that are going to the tomb. Now, we know this story, don't we? Every one of us, we came here, we're ready to rejoice, we're excited, there's light colors, there's springtime... We're excited, but that is not how the first Easter went. It is depressing and dark and somber and heartache. 
and they're walking to the tomb. I don't know what plans you have for yourself today. If you're like me and my family, we're deciding what we're going to eat later for Easter dinner, what kind of celebration we're going to have. But there are some of us here that are going through maybe the darkest time. Maybe you're thinking, man, right now is the darkest time that I could go through. Right now, I'm going through depression. Right now, I'm going through things. I just don't know what to do. I'm not making the right choices. They're not logical. But here's the thing. Here's the emphasis. All the things that these ladies are about to experience and the disciples are pre-planned, pre-set. They're already ready. I think of a birthday party, like a surprise party. When you walk in, you have no idea the joy, the excitement, the celebration, the ticker tape, the confetti. All your friends and family gather together. Now imagine the host of heaven throwing a party for the return of the king. The bated breath, the anticipation, heaven itself taking a gasp and holding its breath. And these ladies have no idea what they're about to walk into. You have no idea what God has in store for you this morning in your walk and in your life. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. I don't know what those plans are. Please don't ask me. I'll just point you to the Bible and to prayer. But I can say this, for the Christian, for the believer, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are yet to come. And let's see what happens to these ladies in verses 2 through 4. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. An angel from heaven has come down, rolled away this massive stone. He's sitting on it. Like, how do you like me now? What are you going to do about this? He's sitting there. And these guards, these Roman guards, these veterans... Now, whenever we talk about Roman guards, don't think about Buckingham Palace guys in nice uniforms. These are bloodthirsty killers. They have fought campaigns from Italy all the way to Israel, and they haven't pressed buttons and shot people from afar. They are up close and personal, but they are terrified of one angel, terrified, shaking in their boots. Two little ladies coming to the tomb, and heaven has sent an angel to clear the way. I don't know what trial, what sealed door is in front of you right now, what obstacle. I don't know what God's plans are, but I can say this. If God wants it moved, it will be moved, and nothing formed on this planet can stand in its way. It just gets done. And in verses 5 through 8, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. 
Behold, I have told you. How circumstances have changed. How do you think their mood has changed? How do you think their outlook has changed? How do you think their decisions have changed? They've gone from darkness to light. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. Their entire life, their trajectory of their life, the destination of their life. They planned this and they're getting that. They're going in a whole new direction because what has happened? And what does the world tell us? Oh, that's an interesting myth. What a nice fable. What a cute story. Except for every single person involved has been radically historically changed. Nobody dies for what they know is a lie. But these people will seal their testimony with their blood. These people that see an eyewitness account will go throughout the world unanimously, together, testifying of these things. The Roman guards themselves, not believers, mind you, they're not believers, will tell a story of how an angel came down and rolled away the stone. Do you know what the punishment is for allowing something to escape for a Roman soldier? Death. Death sentence. And yet, in spite of that, they'll accept a bribe from the high priest to save their skins to tell a different story. Heaven has turned the darkest day into the moment of the greatest rejoicing. And Jesus will do the same thing in your life. He will turn your darkest day into a season of greatest rejoicing, of newness, of life. I know whom you seek, for he was crucified, but he is not here. He is risen. And verses 9 through 10. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And just to emphasize, Jesus is alive. He is there. They saw him with their eyes. The Bible tells us, the disciples recording it, our hands have handled, our eyes have seen. They have experienced the presence of Jesus. They know who he is. They know what he smells like. They know his eating habits. They know his mannerisms. They've walked with him for three years. They know everything about him. And they watched him die. And now they see him alive. You have men who would betray the Lord to save their own skin because of this experience, because of this eyewitness account, stand before emperors and kings and chieftains and say, no, he is alive. I saw him. And because he's alive, I too will be alive. This is no mythology. This is historical fact upon which millions upon millions of human beings have testified with their own martyrdom to seal 
this testimony that these things are true. Not just an experience. And what is Jesus' message? I want you to go into all the world and make Baptists. I want you to go into all the world and make Catholics or Presbyterians. I want you to go out into all the world. No. What is the first thing that Jesus says? Rejoice. What did he say from the cross? It is finished. It is done. I know by the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit that somebody, at least one's life, is being changed right now. That they are deciding in their heart, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus says to you, rejoice. It is finished. There is nothing more to do. You're going to come up and you're going to ask, how do I get plugged in? How do I serve? How do I worship? How do I evangelize? How do I read my Bible? How do I pray? Stop for a moment. Realize that on the road to darkness, that you may have come in here thinking that the world was over, but now it is light and life, rejoicing and resurrection. I want to remind you that the work is complete. You do not earn your salvation. You do not earn God's blessing. Whether your name is on a church membership role or whether you went to a Christian school or you say the right passages or rites, if you have the right type of baptism or the certain version of your Bible, none of that equates to more righteousness. It is freely given by faith. In Ephesians 2, it says, By faith we are saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says, By faith alone and Christ alone. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And then again in the book of Acts, it says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. Period. Nothing more, nothing less. Rejoice. Your salvation has been won by the king, not by you. You didn't earn it, and you definitely don't deserve it. And I know some of you, you deserve it even less. And yet he's freely given it to you by faith. We celebrate on Resurrection Sunday as we do every Sunday because it is done. There's nothing left to do. Everything else that we do from the cross is just an expression of love for what God has given us freely. If you have perfect Sunday attendance, I pray it's an expression of love to God and not you trying to earn righteousness or to be on a higher level than another Christian. Not so, because no servant is greater than his master. And Jesus said, I came to the world to serve, not to be served. And so it is the same for us. Now, all of us are born out of due time. We are not eyewitnesses. The Bible says that we see things dimly. We don't see things perfectly. And Thomas came to the Lord, and Thomas saw the wounds of Jesus, and he, he had to confirm it. And Jesus doesn't mock him for confirming it. 
But what does Jesus tell Thomas? He says, blessed are you, for you have seen and believe, but a greater blessing comes to those who believe and have not seen. And we have received a greater blessing. Paul, the apostle, may or may not have been a member of the Sanhedrin. He may or may not have seen Jesus crucified. He may or may not have seen the resurrection. But he was not, he was definitely not a believer at that time. But as it was quoted earlier in 1 Corinthians, it is written, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again in the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, for whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. And then Paul says this about himself. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Jesus is alive. He's alive today, and we are born out of due time. We didn't see these things, but we can look at the testimony. We can look at the historical, archaeological, scientific, manuscript, biblical evidences, and we can say this is absolute fact. We can say with certainty that these people saw the resurrected Lord. And then once we see those things, we also experience those things in our personal walk. As we experience the Holy Spirit, as we experience the reading of His Word, and God speaking to us and guiding to us, and then it's sealed again and testified again in the life change that many of us have experienced personally that can only come through a living relationship with a living God. And it is finished. All these things are available to you. Let's stand. And we're going to have one last worship song where we can proclaim to the Lord. Father, we can sing a song to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct us. That we would walk, Father, in a relationship with you, a living Lord that you would guide and direct us, that we would be more like you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.